2 Timothy chapter 4, teen conference, we had a great message out of this chapter. Young people, don't worry, I'm not going to steal that message. But the Lord did give me a thought in the middle of the message that I kind of jotted down. Actually, more accurately, I put it in the notes in my phone to go back and look at it later. 2 Timothy chapter 4, just for context sake, let's go ahead and read beginning in verse number 1. This is Paul's second and last letter to Timothy. It really comprises his last words. It won't be long before he's martyred under Nero. He says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come. When they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight, finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee. For he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus. Now let's focus on verse 13. The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee. And the books, but especially the parchments. Paul is nearing the end of his time on earth. And he's given Timothy a last-minute ministerial charge in verses 1 through 5. And then in verses 6 through 8, we find him rejoicing with a victorious tone. Verse 9 begins somewhat of a mixed bag. There's some melancholy there, but there's also some encouragement. There's melancholy, Demas hath forsaken me, but the encouragement is, bring Mark with you, he's profitable for me. But verse 13 is Paul's instructions to Timothy that when he comes, and verse 9 says that Timothy's coming, when you come, bring three very important items. Now, even before I thought about, you know, this message, uh, when I came across it at the teen conference, even before then, this verse has always kind of captivated me because it's interesting to see What's most important to a man who's about to leave this earth? You know, that kind of thing has a way of distilling things down to their real essence, don't they? I think the closer we get to going to heaven, the more things that used to be important to us won't be. You know? And what a man cherishes near the end of his life says a great deal about him. If a man's nearing the end of his life and he's still concerned about his money, that says something about him. Still concerned about possessions, that says something about him. 
Oh, but if his mind is on other things, things like family, unsaved loved ones, his testimony, meeting the Savior, those are the kind of things that you expect to kind of bubble to the surface. Think of the things that Paul could have asked for. Timothy, when you come, bring me my favorite dish. I haven't had Mrs. Timothy's roast beef in a long time. Could you bring me some? That'd be reasonable. Oftentimes in those kind of situations, the prisons didn't feed the prisoners. It was up to others to bring them their food. So that'd be reasonable. You know what, Timothy? I've been in the same clothes for months. Could you bring me a change of clothes? It's getting kind of rank down here. That'd be reasonable. <laughs> hey, Timothy, would you bring me a pillow? I can't sleep. Are you like me? Do you have to bring your own pillow when you go out of town? I, I can't stand a hotel pillow. The last hotel we stayed in for the teen conference, the pillows were about as big as this Bible. I mean, they were little. They had like 30 of them on the bed, but they were little. <laughs> and they were weird. And I was glad I brought my own. But he didn't ask for any of those things, did he? He says, bring my cloak, bring the books, and especially the parchments. These items had significance for Paul, and I believe they have significance for us too. Now, the thing is, we're not necessarily facing the prospect of martyrdom, and we may not even be within moments of going to heaven, although we understand because of the rapture, we're all within moments potentially of going to heaven. Okay, But would you agree with Jesus coming back soon? It's pretty critical that we keep close to us those things that we need most as we get closer to eternity. Paul said there's three things I need more than anything else as I get closer to leaving. I need my cloak. I need the books. And especially I need the parchments. If I were to use this term, I wonder how many of you know what I'm talking about. How many of you have ever heard, and there's, there's varying terms for it, but I've always known it as a bug-out bag. Does anybody know what a bug-out bag is? That's basically a, a, a carryable bag that has the basic things you need in a survival situation. You know, it, it's, you know, for some of you it would be, you know, a poncho and a knife, and for some of you, it'd just be full of guns and bullets, and some of you would be full of cash, and you know, different things that you think you need if you got a bug out. You know, did you know Paul had a bug out bag? He's about to leave in a hurry, and there's three things he wants. This is Paul's bug out bag. Now, it's instructive to us. Because these are the things we need to keep close as well. So we're going to spend a little time tonight examining the contents of the Christian's bug out bag. We're about to leave. What are some things we need to keep close to us as we prepare to bug out? So Father, would you help us tonight? Would you speak to us? Would you apply your word in the way that you see fit? And may we come closer to Jesus and be more like him because of it. Have your will and way, we pray. And may Jesus be lifted up. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. 
He says in verse 13, the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee. He said, bring my cloak. The first thing he wants in his bug out bag is something to keep him warm. The Mamertine prison was basically a hole in the ground. They would they only had one opening at the top. They would lower the prisoner down in there. They closed a grate over top of it. You can still visit it. It's still there in Rome. I'd love to see it someday. And basically, they'd lower down food. They'd lower down whatever he needed. But he's laying on stone. It's dark. It's cold. It's wet. It's dank. It's musty. And I'm sure that he was cold. Now, in, in a, a modern bug-out bag, you might have something like one of those Mylar blankets that's meant to draw heat in, or you might have you know, some kind of a, a rain covering or something like that. Paul wanted his cloak. Because he'd be quite exposed in that pit, and the cloak would go far to providing relief. Paul needed something to keep him warm. You see, as he gets closer and closer to eternity, the worst thing for him at that moment is to get cold. Hey, Christian, as you and I draw closer to eternity, the worst thing for us to do is get cold towards the things of God. We should maintain and keep close to us whatever we need to keep us hot in his service. Who or what provides you with the warmth that you need to serve the Lord? Now, now let's, let's, let's be honest for a second. Do you ever feel yourself cooling? I know what you're thinking yeah, every time I come in this auditorium. Well, I don't know what to tell you. you. Bring the cloak that you left with Carpus is what you need to do. <laughs> what keeps us hot for Jesus? What, what keeps us with the warmth that we need that, that keeps us from growing cold in his service? I think there's two major things. Number one is fellowship. You've heard, you've heard the, the illustration of the guy that got out of church and the preacher went to see him and um, he, uh, he asked him, you know, where he'd been. He said, I'm just, I'm just cold towards the things of God, preacher, and I just I don't want to be around it anymore. And he noticed he had a fire going and he took an ember out of the fire and he sat it over to the side and it just cooled right down. And he said, interesting, it's cold, isn't it? He said, yeah. And then he took... He took the ember and put it back towards the other embers that were glowing hot, and immediately it, it, it warmed up again and it glowed again. He said, that's how we are as Christians. We get away from one another, we cool, but when we're with one another, encouraging one another, it warms us. See, we need, we need fellowship, personal fellowship. Every Christian needs a Christian brother or sister, to keep them warm. 
I'm speaking spiritually, teenagers. You hear me? Don't call up that girl you've had your eye on and say, the preacher said I need somebody, a Christian sister to keep me warm. No, don't you do that. I'll find out. I'm speaking spiritually. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 4, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. We're not made to be isolated, friends. We're not, but, but that's our tendency, isn't it? The cooler we get, the more we want to get away from the things of God. Every Christian needs that brother or sister to keep them warm. Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. When you're sharpening a blade, what does that produce? Friction produces heat. It warms. But isolation will quickly bring about a cooling effect. You say, well, preacher, I can't find anybody that wants that kind of fellowship with me. This has been my experience over the years. You know the Bible says a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. That may be part of the problem is if you're not friendly yourself, you're going to have a hard time getting fellowship, personal fellowship. But I'll tell you what else. If the, if the purpose of personal fellowship is to have a, a friend who's faithful to you, faithful enough that he's willing to wound you with the truth, you need to be willing to accept that. But if you're somebody that can't hear the truth and doesn't want the truth, you're not going to do well in the matter of fellowship, personal fellowship. We need that personal fellowship. But I tell you, we also need corporate fellowship, don't we? Hebrews chapter 10. We love to go to verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Free to thrive, amen. But we skip right over verse 24 that tells us why we need to be here. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. That word provoke, if somebody provokes me, do you think they're heating me up or cooling me down? If you hear the word provoke, you don't tend to think of, <sighs> no, provoke is stirs up, creates heat. Are you chilly towards the things of God? It may be because you're lacking in personal or corporate or both fellowship. But you know, fellowship isn't the only thing that brings warmth. We're talking about keeping things close to you to keep you warm. You know what else you need? You need, you need fuel. There's certain things that fuel warmth in our lives. Can I, give you, can I give you three that the Lord laid on my heart? And this is true in my life. And there may be others that you can think of. <laughs> How about music? Does music have a way of warming us up? Second Chronicles chapter 5. They've built the temple. They're about to bring the Ark of the Covenant into Solomon's temple. It came to pass, verse 13, as the trumpeters and singers were as one 
to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. When they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord. Now let's see if this sounds like a heating up kind of situation. So that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house. Music warmed those folks that day, didn't it? The praising of the Lord. You say, well, Andy, I don't have any musical ability. Doesn't matter. It does not matter. This transcends your musical ability or lack thereof. May I remind you that seven times in the Bible we are told to make a joyful noise. Now, use wisdom as to how that noise is implemented, okay? But noise is noise. And if that's all you can muster, then have at it. Would you agree that music heals the soul? Don't tell me that music is all moral. It's not. 1 Samuel 16, Saul is afflicted by an evil spirit. What's the only thing that gives him relief? David and that harp. Music. I got a lot of songs that do that kind of thing for me. You don't have to be musically inclined, but every Christian should be musically infused. So I can't sing, maybe not, but you can listen. Like I said, I got a lot of songs that do this for me. But there's, there's, one, there's one song, and in particular, one stanza of a song that never fails to warm me up. There's two that come to mind. The choir sang one of those. Does our God intend to dwell again with us? He does. You understand that's what's coming. Our God physically will dwell again with us that warms me but then i'll be riding down the road and maybe i'll have my my phone my 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 songs on my phone shuffling around and all of a sudden it'll pop up david sang the praises of the glory of jehovah well i'm not skipping that one ever Because of one line, that no matter what I've got going on, no matter how low my mood is or how whatever is going on, this gets me every time. When they sing that chorus, did I mention that I love him, how I worship and adore him, when I can see no way, he makes a way, but then this one, did I mention He's been faithful to every promise he's ever made me. I love him 
That's all I want to say. I feel bad for the Christian who doesn't have any music infusion in their life because you're missing out, man. And it doesn't have to be one of the newer ones either. Oh, you can go way back. You can go way back. Music might fuel you, keep you warm. You know what else will fuel you and keep you warm? Memories. Psalm 63, Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of, Ju- of Judah. Oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee, my soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Now remember, he's on the run. He's in a bad way. How in the world is he so warm? Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips when I remember thee. Upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches because thou hast been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of thy wings, I will rejoice. <laughs> oh, it's bad right now, but I'm warm because of my memories. Lamentations is a tough book. It's got some rough stuff in it. In fact, it's almost all bad news. How in the world does Jeremiah keep warm? Verse 15, he hath filled me with bitterness. He hath made me drunken with wormwood. He hath also broken my teeth with gravel stones. That sounds great, doesn't it? Remembering my affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. Boy, it sounds bad. But this I recall to my mind. Therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. What fueled Jeremiah? Memories. I'll tell you, a good practice is to keep a journal of what you've experienced serving God. Keep a journal of the tough stuff, but absolutely keep a journal of answered prayer. Keep a journal of victories. Keep a journal of how God's moved in your life. But, but do you know why some people don't have these memories to draw from as fuel when they need warmth? Do you know why? Can I be blunt with you? Because they're not doing much for the Lord to begin with. What fuels my warmth? Music will do it. Memories will do it. You know what else? Meditation will do it. 
In 1 Timothy 4, verse 14, Paul said, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Dwelling on God's word will keep your embers stirred. When somebody comes to me for counsel and says, Pastor, I am cooling towards the things of God, the first question I always ask is how much time are you spending in his word? First question. In my own life, when I am cooling to the things of God, without exception, there has been some kind of a falling back in the matter of walking through his word. He said, I need you to bring me something to keep me warm. And as we get closer to leaving, as we get closer to bugging out, we better keep some things close that keep us warm. Fellowship and fuel. But that's not all he wants in his bag. He wants something for warmth. But you know what else he needs? He needs some tools. Now, your bug out bag might have a knife, might have a hatchet, might have a little hammer, a tool kit or something. I don't know. But Paul wants some tools too. He says, Timothy, bring the cloak and the books. Now, these were secular books. These were not scripture. These were secular books. Now, do secular books ever get elevated above scripture? Absolutely not. But does that mean that they don't play a role in our lives? Of course they do. Go in my study. You know what you'll see a lot of? Books. They're meant to sharpen me and to build me. What we'd love to do is, is, is as we ordain Brother Davies, we want to give him books. Now, he's probably thinking, I'd rather have a gun. Well, I swear you and the Lord what you do with the money, I guess, but, but I'm a big believer in books. Whether they're physical books or online books or however you do it, but the, the point is God has given us resources that are meant to build us. These were tools that Paul used to build himself and his ministry opportunities. Scripture is always preeminent, but there are many resources that help make us more well-rounded, healthier Christians. Can I give you some examples? The abilities, the talents, the experiences that you have can be used of God to make you more effective. What was Paul by trade? A tent maker. Did that get him in places? Yeah, that formed a friendship with two of the best friends he had named Aquila and Priscilla. Why? Because they were tent makers too. Many missionaries are finding that the best way for them to get into fields is to have a trade that gets them in. Because there's a lot of countries out there, you knock on their door, I'd like to come in your country. What do you do? I'm a missionary. I'm sorry, you can't come in. But then you come back, I'd like to come in your country. What do you do? I teach English. I'm an electrician. I do construction. I'm a doctor. George Grenfell made quite a ministry out of being a doctor. 
those experiences, those abilities, those talents that God has given you, he'll use as tools to make you usable. What other kind of things were Paul interested in? Maybe some of his books were about sports. He sure did mention them a lot, didn't he? In the epistles, Paul talks about wrestling, boxing, running, all sorts of competitive things. What about the knowledge that he had that he could use for apologetics? Paul's knowledge about a variety of things gave him ministry opportunities. Do you remember when he's on Mars Hill? And he is talking to a whole bunch of pagans all at one time. What does he use to get into their thinking? He quotes their own people. Listen to it, Acts 17, 28. For in him we live and move and have our being. That sounds like a great Bible verse. What prophet said that? None of them. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said. For we are also his offspring. Hey, Christians. It is okay for us to be simple folk and country folk and maybe no-frills folk. That's okay. But to pursue a life of ignorance is not okay. Well, I just know what I've known and I don't need to learn anything else. That's not okay. We should constantly be learning and trying to develop ourselves that we can be more effective witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. Constantly. That's why GCA exists. Yes, we want these kids to be saved and love the Lord, but we also want them to have the tools they need to be successful in this life so that they can reach more people for Christ. I know they don't believe it. That's why you have to learn Shakespeare. That's why you learn, wait for it, algebra. How am I ever going to use algebra? It's called critical thinking. It teaches you how to think. It teaches you how to solve problems. It teaches you how to figure out something. It teaches you how to work through something when you don't particularly want to. I got news for you. Life's full of that. Hmm? Chemistry. I don't know what trigonometry is for, but it does something. (laughs) Can I tell you what undermines this effort? TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, which apparently now is X. I don't know what that's all about. You understand the TikTok generation is the one that's electing the next president. And they don't forget, I'm doing this on purpose. They don't know nothing about nothing. You know why? Because all they can do is this. And they wouldn't know a book if it hit them in the head. I'm not being critical. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm saying at some point we decided it wasn't important for us to learn. 
But would you agree with me that God expects us to take care of the temple that he's given us? Then why doesn't he expect us to take care of the mind he's given us to? My mind's in decent shape. It's the temple that gives me problems. God's people should be knowledgeable, well-rounded, and fully equipped with the tools they need to reach as many people for Christ as they can. He says, I want you to bring me something to keep me warm. I want you to bring me the tools I need to keep building myself. But something else you're going to want, at least initially, in your, in your bag, is you're going to need some nourishment. Because you're not going to get very far if you don't have anything to nourish you. If nothing else, you need something to get you to where you can fish, hunt, do something. It might be some protein bars. It might be some granola bars. It might be a honey bun. I don't know what you got crammed in that thing, but you need something to nourish you. Paul says, bring the cloak. I need something to keep me warm. Bring the books. I need something to keep tools to keep me sharp. But especially you bring those parchments because I need to stay fed. The parchments of the word of God. He didn't have all 66 books. They weren't done yet. But he had what he had. He had what he had. And listen to this. He knew he could not live without them. That word especially is important. Timothy, I want the cloak and I want the books. But if all you can bring is one thing, you bring those parchments. This is where the Christian gets his or her nourishment. Listen to me. You do not get your nourishment from the world. The world has a way of making you feel full without nourishing you. You know, that's possible. I read an article a couple of years ago. Some horrible person had learned how to take plastic and produce it in such a way that it looked like grains of rice. And they sold this plastic, this cheap plastic, just by the, by the bag, by the just, just pallets and pallets of them. And people in third world countries were getting these bags of plastic thinking they were rice. Will it fill you up? Yeah. Will it nourish you? No. In fact, it'll kill you. The world's all about filling you up, but they're not nourishing you. They're going to kill you. You know, the Bible says of itself, it reckons itself like food, doesn't it? Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Watch this. Sweeter also than what? Honey. And the honeycomb. We talked about this in Sunday school this morning. Jeremiah 15, 16, he says, Thy words were found, and I did what? I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. 
When you're first saved, it's like milk, isn't it? First Peter chapter 2, Wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word. What happens if a baby doesn't get the milk? But then as we grow, Hebrews 5 verse 13, For everyone that uses milk is unskillful. They're immature in the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. There's a whole lot of Christians out there. I'm not even talking about unsaved people. There's a whole lot of Christians out there tonight that are malnourished. And there's two predominant reasons. Number one, they're malnourished because they aren't availing themselves of the food that is the Word of God. They're just not in the Word like they should be, and they're malnourished. But you know what? Others are malnourished because they think they're filling themselves with the Bible. But what they're actually filling themselves with is man's views on the Bible and commentaries on the Bible and perspectives on the Bible, and it makes them feel full, but there's no nourishment in it. There's no nutrition in it. Before long, we're going to leave. Now, the truth is, I could get hit by a bus tonight. I doubt it, but I could. The only buses around here are ours, so that would mean Aaron or Bethany tried (laughs) but one way or the other it won't be long for we leave and if you know you're gonna have to leave in a hurry and let me tell you something the rapture is leaving in a hurry you want to make sure you've got that bug out bag close don't you so what should i have as i draw closer to leaving i better make sure that i stay warm with fellowship and fuel. I better make sure I have those tools to keep me sharp and to stay building me. And I better make sure I've got plenty of the word to nourish me. These are the things that should be in a Christian's bug out bag.